means to be a church and the book God has given us to help us get there is the book of Acts. So uh, as we take God's word, we turn to the book of Acts. Uh, I was, uh, uh, when I was playing football, I remember a coach being very specific. Uh, you, uh, we had the privilege, I was just a sophomore, and uh, just a sophomore, and uh, we had the privilege to uh, be the state runner-ups. What, what an honor in our, uh, in our division, state runner-up. But I remember when it came time to go back to spring practice. And I uh, come back to spring practice, I remember that uh, our coach was very specific. You wonder why I know all of Vince Lombardi's statements is because I think our coach had them all memorized. And uh, he, uh, he gave us all of them because I remember the locker room that spring and Coach Almer standing there with a football in his hand and he says, young man, this is a football. And if we learn how to do anything, we're going to learn how to block and we're going to learn how to tackle because we're going back to the basics. We were the state runner-up the year before. We're going to learn how to block, and we're going to learn how to tackle. Come on, Coach. Don't you got a little better than that? Uh, you know, you look and you go, wait a minute. Here's, here's a picture. But the reality is, is uh, he said, for us to be successful, we have to do the basics well. Well, there's no uh, uh, winning season without emphasizing executing the basics. And that's true in sports. It's true in business. It's true in raising a family. And it's true in our spiritual life and our church life. It seems that... That the further down the road we get, the farther away we have a tendency of getting from the basics. We, uh, and uh, then we wonder why our spiritual life loses the passion and the power we once had. Uh, and our, our, our church life becomes ho-hum or our spiritual life becomes ho-hum rather than alive and vibrant like Jesus has called us to be. So it's time. It's time for us to get back to basics. And, and uh, what we've discovered so far is, is getting back to the the basics means we've got to live under the authority of the scripture. I've got to live under the authority of the scripture and, and uh, once again. And that is following what God tells us through his word. Listening to what he has for us. When, when we uh, are putting into practice God's word, we're living under the authority of scripture. Promoting, protecting our unity, forgiving one another, serving one another, praying for one another, worshiping with one another. Giving of our tithes and our king for kingdom work, and are we living under the authority of Scripture these days? Are we a doer of the word or just a hearer only? Getting back to the basics, Christianity 101 or Church 101 calls for membership to live under the authority of Scripture, which leads us to be spirit-filled saints. Leads us to be spirit-filled saints. So, chapter number one, chapter number two. And uh, to be spirit-filled saints, which leads us to be active in leading others to Jesus. Chapter number three. You look and you go, there we are. And that's what we find in the book of Acts. Chapter one, the preparation. That's where we find the followers of Jesus preparing for the power of God to to fall upon them. Their preparation centered around prayer. And any time we find God doing a great work, we can know that somebody has been on their knees talking with God. 
We know that there have been folks that are on their knees uh, just begging God to do a work, and that's preparation. Chapter 2 is the power chapter. That's where we read the presence of the Holy Spirit came upon the church, and he came to stay. And the last time uh, together we saw that chapter 3 is the praise chapter. Peter and John had the opportunity to see a man uh, healed, to see him saved on their way to church, on their way to worship, and, and, and the man whose life was transformed by the power of God joined them in the worship that day and people whose life have been transformed by God cannot be kept away I don't care what you do when folks go I've been redeemed I've been transformed I've been saved you don't have to beg them plead them prod them uh, to be in Bible study worship whose lives have been transformed by God worship is a natural natural thing so I want to be a part I want to be there now that brings us to chapter 4. If I'm going to serve my Lord the way that I ought to serve my 4, chapter 4 is going to happen. Chapter 4, matter of fact, chapter number 4, we're about to read. and Actually, it's really kind of funny that the chapter 4 has a way of getting people derailed before they ever get to it. Because they're more fearful of chapter 4 than they are of the excitement of worship that happened earlier in chapter 3 or the power of God in chapter 2. And so as we're jumping in and we look and you say, here they are, uh, chapter 4 is the persecution chapter. So as we look, this is the first time the church faced persecution. It was uh, certainly not the last. And uh, what brought uh, their persecution is the same thing that brings persecution to the church today. And that's the name of Jesus. So let's begin reading Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse number 1. And we're going to see what happened in that day and what happens in this day and what can happen in our life today because of the name of Jesus. Beginning in verse number 1, it says, And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now even tide. So they arrested them. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. And it came to pass on the morrow that the rulers and the elders and the scribes and Ananias the high priest and Caiaphas the, and John and Alexander and and as many as were of, of kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have ye done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. I'm glad that it says that God filled Peter with the Holy Spirit before I read the next phrase. Because otherwise you would go, Peter, do you just have a death wish? Let's keep going. Verse number 11. It says, This is the stone which, which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. 
neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. No other name. So now as we think about the name of Jesus, Luke begins by describing to us the confrontation that was launched. God had just uh, headed and or healed and, and saved this man who'd been crippled from birth. And we read in back in chapter 3, verse number 6, that Peter told him, Silver and gold have I none, but in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Rise up and walk. And what did he do? He went into the temple leaping, walking, leaping, and praising God. That's exciting. That's exciting. He didn't just, you know, here we go. That miracle provided Peter an opportunity to preach the gospel. He explained to them that the man's life was, wasn't transformed uh, through their own power or godliness. He, we read in, in uh, chapter 3 and verse 16, his name through faith and, and his name had made this man strong, whom ye see now, whom ye see and know. Uh, yes, faith which uh, come through him was has given him the, the perfect soundness in the presence of, of all of you. That man was transformed by the name of Jesus. And there's no denying it. He'd been crippled by life, and by the name of Jesus, he was healed and saved. Now, not everybody was happy about that. In fact, that man's healing and, and salvation led to a confrontation that was launched. So who launched this confrontation with Peter and John? Well, we'll see here first in verse number 1, the crowd. They spoke to the people. The priests, the captain, the temple, the Sadducees, they were greatly disturbed. Who were these people that confronted Peter and John? Well, in that crowd that day, the priests, they were the large crowd, or, or they were in charge of worship in the temple. And next, there was the captain of the temple. He was in charge of maintaining order. And he made sure that worshipers were kept in check. Okay. And then Luke mentions the Sadducees. Sadducees, they're those religious liberals of the day. They didn't believe in the supernatural. They didn't believe in the angels. They, they didn't believe in, in heaven or hell, nor did they believe in the resurrection. In fact, there was nothing that Jesus taught that the Sadducees believed and how they hated Jesus. They hated Jesus not only because of what he taught, but what he did. You see, they made profit from all the transactions that took place at the temple. And Jesus cut into their prophets. When he healed, uh, when, when, when he cleansed house, in one day he cut into their, temp, into, their, into their prophets. You remember that? As he went through. But notice something else, not only the crowd. Next we read about their complaint. Being disturbed, they taught the people the, and, and preached Jesus, the resurrection from the dead. The priests were there because of, of, of where Peter was preaching. But the Sadducees were there because of what Peter was preaching. See, in Jesus, the resurrection from the dead, isn't it interesting that the people that Jesus had the most conflict with were the religious people? I've always found that interesting. You read the rest of the book of Acts and you go, hmm, isn't that interesting? Jesus didn't come to start a religion, though. He came for a relationship, didn't he? He came for a relationship. He came to do away with religion. And yet I still hear people say that, 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 what, that uh, what the world needs today is more religion. That's like starting an argument with this man, I'll be honest. We don't need more religion. We got all kinds of religion. 
We need folks with more. The world doesn't need more religion. The world needs to come out of its religion and into a relationship with Jesus. Religion is man's attempt to get to God. That's what religion is. Religion is my attempt to, to get to him. A relationship is, is much more. See, they were trying so hard to reach up to God, to find God, to please God by their works. One works day after the other trying to please God. It's a fruitful effort because God cannot be reached by human works in spite of what religion says. Karl Marx is actually the one that said that religion is the opium of the people, not Jesus. Let, let me remind you something. Religion pays a rotten dividend. It never delivers. It only adds to the bill. It never gets you out of debt. Yes, there's a crowd. There's a complaint. Verse 3, they laid hands on them. That's the capture. They put them in custody because it was already evening. What was their crime? Preaching the gospel, healing a crippled man. What was their 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 crime? What was what's the if issue here? You talk about back to the basics. Verse four. When we look, he says, How many, albeit many of them which heard the word believed the preaching of the gospel? They heard the word, they believed. That's the responsibility of the church. That's what, it's, what it means to be a part of the church. Sharing and telling the word of God. Proclaiming the word of God. Giving out the word. Preaching the word. See, we need to make sure we don't miss that. It all began with their doing a good deed. Verse number 9, you look down there and it says, and If we this day... Be examined of the good deed done to the infinite man. If we look, and if, if you look at that, the crippled man had a need, we met it. They were showing that the crippled, the truth about their God, that God cares, that God transforms, that God forgives, that God loves. Put it down, their, God, their good deed revealed God to him. And now to them. That's why I would ask you, and I've, I've been challenged as we've been walking through is to find somebody, find a person that's lost, and, and serve them. Find somebody who's lost and serve them. Find ways to meet a need in their life and serve them, showing them who our God is. For what they see in us is what they're going to come to believe about our God it says a lot about our relationship so let's show them Jesus this year by serving them the explanation to the leaders beginning down in verses 5 through 10 and we've already read them but you talk about a, an intimidating situation there were 70 members of the Sanhedrin the religious supreme court of the land educated men, respected men, religious men they sat in a half circle and they brought Peter and John and a couple of uneducated fishermen by trade right there into the midst you say there they are and I'm sure they thought they would be intimidated by the, those two and, and, and intimidate them into silence they look at Peter and John and ask in verse number 7 by what power or by what name have you come and uh, how? Well, what are you doing what are you doing here 
I can imagine Peter looking around and thinking, what a crowd to preach to. <laughs> There's a part of this where I look at Peter and I go, whoa, what an opportunity. Hang on for the ride, boys. And uh, I could I could see, I, I almost, in my mind's eye, I could almost see Peter tapping John on the leg. Hey, watch this. This is going to get good now. I, I just, I can't help it. I, I look at it and I go, wait a minute. We just saw 3,000 safe. We've got 5,000 safe. And now all of a sudden we got the Sanhedrin around and there's even more. Wait a minute here. Let's go ahead and take a look. And and, and you look and you go, I, can, I just, I see Peter going, <laughs> get ready. That's why I said it earlier. I'm glad that God recorded the Holy Spirit came upon Peter. I'm thankful for that. It wasn't just Peter going, whoa, look at this, another opportunity to preach. Hang on, John. At the same time, I could see him getting excited because another opportunity to preach is going to present itself. And he knows it's coming. He knows it's, it's coming. And I can see Peter going, they all need Jesus. See, the next time we're persecuted for being a Christian, we ought to do what Peter and John did. Just tell them what Jesus has done. Verse 8 tells us, it says, Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said to them. No wonder they had such boldness. Filled with the Holy Spirit. No wonder he had such boldness. No wonder he had such courage. No wonder there was no intimidation. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said to them, the early church saw a miracle after miracle because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They had surrendered their will to his will. They stayed confessed up to date. There was nothing between them and God, and no wonder they did so much with so little. No wonder. You go, whoa, they did so much with so little. I often look and I go, you know, they didn't have a big fancy building, did they? Matter of fact, they didn't have much and nothing but Jesus when you get right down to it. Oh, how God has blessed us. And we can be thankful and give praise. Oh, how he has blessed us. But look at, when you look at this and you go, wait a minute, look at how much they did with just themselves. Being willing. You know, somebody said that, wouldn't it be nice to have a little more budget? I can tell you that when it comes time to sit down and write the checks and pay the bills around this place, it probably would be nice to have a little more budget, wouldn't it? Michelle's aching her head over there. It would be. You know it would be. It'd be nice to have a little more. But you know what? Wouldn't it be nice to see God use us the way he used Peter and John? See, I believe he wants to. I believe he wants us to, to get back to the, the basics. See, what's more money without spirit-filled saints? It's just more money. It doesn't get us anywhere. I'd rather have less money and, and more spirit-filled members than, than less spirit-filled members and more money. Somebody said, well, maybe we have education. Education's good, but without spirit-filled saints... We could do more with less education and, and, and more with spirit-filled members than more with educated members and less spirit-filled members. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, 
listen to his boldness as he explains to the, the leaders how this crippled man's life was, was transformed down there in verse 8. Filled with the Holy Ghost said unto them, ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, take that for boldness, you crucified him. It's by his name that this man was raised from the dead, that Jesus rose from the dead. By him, this man stands here before you whole today. Now you talk about having a visual aid. Exhibit A, right here. Young man standing. Remember every day you came to the temple before this? <laughs> Young man begging. Exhibit A. Kind of go, huh, that's fun. Send us to jail, how? There he is. No greater evidence for Jesus than a changed life. You want to know where the power came from to, to make this man leap? It came from Jesus. That's the name we used to. It, it, you know who he is? You crucified him. Now, that would have been offensive. The Pharisees, the high priests, were there that day, whom God raised from the dead. That would have infuriated the Sadducees. They wanted a name, and he gave them one. The name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee's going to bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of the Father. Skip down to verse number 14, and he says, Seeing the man who, who had been healed standing with them, they couldn't say anything against it. Ah! Take that. <laughs> Living proof, a saved man, is the best argument. It's the best argument. Peter didn't give them any, any time to catch their breath or, or, or to respond. In verse 11, he said, This is the stone which ye rejected. Set at naught of you builders, which has come, become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. There was a new body for that lame man in the name of Jesus. There was sight for Bartimaeus in the name of Jesus. There was life for dead Lazarus in the name of Jesus. There was forgiveness for the woman at the well in the name of Jesus. And for you and me, there's salvation in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, preacher. Thank God. There is no other name given among, uh, under heaven, given among men, by which we must be saved. There is only one way to be saved. One way to heaven. One way to forgiveness. One way to peace. And it's not by the name of Confucius. It's not by the name of Buddha. It's not by the name of Allah. But the only by the only only by the name of Jesus. You realize folks are not saved by church membership. They're not saved through good works. They're not saved through a set of principles. They're not saved through a denomination. They're not saved by. And I can keep going for days. They're only saved by a person and his name 
is Jesus. What is it? Romans 10, 13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever. See, everything's being declared except Jesus today. We don't need more sermons on prosperity or positive thinking. Oh, my lands. I could be there for a day or two. We don't need more sermons in that area. We need more sermons about Jesus because it's the name of Jesus where there is hope, where there is healing, where there is forgiveness of sins, where there is forgiveness of others. There's peace and there's salvation because it's in the name of Jesus. We don't have to go down the, all the other roads. You know, when we come to a place where we say, Lord Jesus, it's you and only you. Not everything else. It's just you. I, I shared with you a little bit in Sunday school. This morning we were talking about the Jubilee and the year of Jubilee. And I thought it interesting that all the way through Leviticus 25, I kept reading all of the details and I kept going, one answer settles it all. I even went back to chapter 24 and was looking at all the, all the days, those special days. One answer settled them all. You know what's interesting is, is one answer. I like to tease the kids in Sunday school, the little kids. I'll tease them when they get in here. When I do Q&A with them and I ask a question because they're pretty good because they know that there's one answer. It's five letters. He's a person. He's an almighty God who seeks to save. He doesn't want to be somebody that we know about. He wants to be somebody who we've invited in. See, I know a lot about a lot of people. But inviting us in, to invite Jesus in is to open up the heart and say, come on, change my life. Getting back to the basics, we've got to call people to be willing to say, come. Because Jesus said, come unto me, all ye who are weary heavy laden and I'll give you rest rest and the answer is where in Jesus in Jesus maybe we need to come before him today and say Lord Jesus move me move me let's stand together